Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome to the Mystery to Me podcast. I'm Anya Kane. And I'm Kevin Greenlee. And we love movies and television shows with a whiff of mystery. Mystery to Me will feature us riffing on murder mysteries, film noir, cozy detective stories, police procedurals, psychological thrillers, legal dramas, tales of teen sleuths, and more. Once we're done yucking it up about whatever we've just seen, we'll serve up our five-star final takes on whether it's worth your time. If you're offended by silliness, profanity, political asides, canine-related interruptions, and losers laughing at their own bad jokes, beware. Also note that some of the stories we'll be talking about are pretty dark, and in some cases exceptionally badly written. So content warning for murder, violence, suicide, torture, rape, racism, misogyny, homophobia, transphobia, and bigotry. If there's a movie or show you'd like for us to talk about, email us at mysterytomepodcast at gmail.com. Our show's take on genre is pretty loosey-goosey. So as long as your suggestion has some dash of mystery, we're interested in hearing about it. Spoiler alert! We're going to be discussing the entirety of this show or movie, spoilers and all. So if you want to be surprised, press pause, go watch the thing, then join us for the show. Now that you've heard our spiel, go ahead and polish off those magnifying glasses and slip into your favorite trench coat. Let's get mysterious. What did we watch today on this Saturday evening? We spent our Saturday night, for some reason, watching Savage Sunday, the first episode of Starsky and Hutch, which originally aired way back in 1975. So this was our, <sighs> yeah. this was our introduction to the world of Starsky and Hutch, and we got introduced to that world via an amazing opening credit scene can you tell me about yeah, that opening credit the scene? credits the opening credit scene was probably the high point of the whole show uh, it was just quintessential 70s feel of like explosions and fights and 
sliding over the hood of the car. Lots of people running in freeze frames yeah. on awkwardly uh, excited expressions or concerned expressions. <laughs> you know, the chief yelling. I mean, I, I really thought that was art. You know, if you think of like a 1970s cop show, what's the most cliched opening you could have? It's this. They already did it. It's it's legend. And I got to say, after watching that opening, I, I've never seen Starsky and Hutch. After watching that opening credit scene, my hopes for this ex- episode, my expectations for this episode were sky high. I thought this is going to be great fun. But then I saw the credit. This episode was written by Mr. Fred Freiberger. Man who is perhaps best known for wrecking Star Trek. Uh-oh. He's the fellow who took over as executive producer of the show for season three. And you can disagree. Or Star Trek fans like to argue about everything. I think nobody will defend season three of the original series. I think if you have a least favorite episode of the original series, probably from season three. Hot mess. Hot mess. A little bit of a lower budget, more gimmicky shows. Less about character and just idiotic plots. Uh, I believe the season opener was the beloved episode Spock's Brain. Okay, yeah. Refresh my memory on Spock's Brain. People steal Spock's brain. <laughs> as, they, as they do. And they have to get it back. <laughs> and they get help on this mission by Spock's disembodied brain talking to them. <laughs> so yeah. when I saw that... <laughs> I said to myself, this this Starsky and Hutch episode is going to be a slog. It really and I, was. And I was right. You know what? Because there's fun, this fun bad, this fun bad where you're like, oh, I don't even know what's going to happen next. It's going to be stupid, though. And then there's like boring bad. And I think this verged into boring bad for me. Yeah. I, I despise the episode. It was very low energy, low key. <laughs> uh, the two lead characters, no charisma. It's like they just met each other like a minute before filming started. They didn't really seem to care about each other or the plot. They're just kind of sleepwalking through it. What what's what's the central mystery to this this episode? Ah, uh, Jesus! So there's these two old people. One of them is played by the woman who played Aunt B's best friend on Mayberry on uh, Andy from Mayberry, the Andy Griffith show. And her her fellow, her, her 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 gentleman companion is a man who looks just like Orville Redenbacher. And he's trying to make things go pop. Yes, I believe he was also played uh, Jessica's father on uh, Soap. Uh, for some reason, they have a scheme. Let's put 50 sticks of live dynamite in the trunk of our car and set it to explode at 5 o'clock. And this will somehow improve conditions at our old folks' home. Makes sense. Total, total sensible plan there for the villain. And so obviously I have to apologize for what I said about Fred Freiberger doing formulaic shows. Because obviously this is something that happens in real life all the time. <laughs> it's a huge issue. The elderly must be stopped. From blowing up uh, cars. <laughs> so they put this dynamite in the car. And they say, well, you know, we've got a few minutes here. Let's stop for some coffee. So they stop for coffee, and while they're having coffee, two ne'er-do-wells steal the car and begin committing robberies. So our heroes, one Mr. Starsky and Mr. Hutch, must track down the explosive-laden vehicle before it explodes. And the way I've described it, it might sound tense, 
and interesting, like the, the, the cliche ticking time bomb situation. You might imagine you'd be on the edge of your seat. It's, it's not. Dull. Yeah, it's not. It sounds much more interesting the way you said it, but it's there's no uh, there's no skin in the game. Um, basically, to go back a little bit, we'll get into the cent- you know the central thread. But we're introduced to these two characters, Starcy and Hutch, sort of quintessential TV cops. When you hear the names, that's what you think of. Um, and it's Sunday. They make a point of saying that, but it's not such a fun day. Because they're busy trying to catch some bad guy named Milton. And then that's weird because someone else is named Miller in the episode. And I'm like, what is happening? Anyway, so um, they're running this guy down. And then it's sort of interspersed with... And that, and that goes nowhere. That goes nowhere. That guy ends up escaping when they're driving around. Because they, they, they capture him. Yeah. No big deal. And then he escapes. And then we I think we forget about him. Yeah, we basically forget about him. Well, whatever. I, I don't need everything to totally pay off. But it's sort of like, okay. Weren't you on the edge of your seat waiting for the big Milton payoff? Yeah, I thought Milton was going to come back in the 11th hour and really sort things out, but that's not how it went down. If you were writing this, I think Milton would be the big bad guy at the end. If I were writing this, I, I realized I had I had I would make one key change that I think would have livened things up what would quite that a be? lot. Well, well, okay. Other than just writing better characters and making Starsky and Hutch more interesting in this, I think I would have had them take one of the people hostage who they robbed the when I say they, I mean the two robbers who are driving around in this explosive, explosive laden car. They don't realize that it's explosive, but it is. And I would make them kidnap them and keep that person in their car as they did all these robberies, sort of as a human shield. You know, maybe they're not even planning on killing the person, but I think that would have really ramped up the tension um, in terms of. So you wanted us to have somebody to care about. Yes. I think I think you need that. I think you need that. Um, or you really need to show what the level of damage that the car is going to do. You have to show the car parked, and then you have to go into the stadium of people that it's about to, you know, blow up. So, like, we need... The audience needs something to, I think, like, wrap their heads around a little bit more than just the idea of the car. Because... And this becomes... A, comes up later because you don't feel Starsky and Hodger care that much either. So there's a there's a dearth of caring here. There's a dearth of everything. So anyways, so Starsky and Hodge get assigned to find this white Chevy. Um, meanwhile, the two bad guys are, you know, obsessed with the color green and they go to a store and say, how about the guy, the, the proprietor says, how about some wine? Red, and then, the you know, I guess, no, what am I even fucking, I'm the, I'm not going to fucking go through all these lines. <laughs> no, you, you started it. You have been on the edge of the seat for that wine uh, crackle. This wine banter. Yeah, this is as good as it gets. Um, the the One of the robbers says, how about some wine to the proprietor? And the proprietor says, red or white? And and then the robber's like, how about green, as in money? And it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> Who wrote this crap? Fred Freiberger. Uh, um, yeah, it's stupid. But that's, there's lots of like tough guy banter like that. There's lots of really low level cop humor, cop hijinks. Uh, I'm not even sure. So, so these guys who are driving around in this explosive laden car, they go on a crime spree on this quiet Sunday afternoon. Why? Why did they pick this Sunday afternoon to go on a crime spree? Is there a reason? We we're told that they came in from Denver recently. That's all we're told. And then they also go to the trouble. I guess they really love the car. 
so they paint it green and get new license plates for it. They're going into an awful lot of trouble to keep their hands on this one particular car. So I guess I didn't understand why not just do like one robbery, uh, get your money from it, and then just get out of town. They explain at some point where like they get some money and they're like, okay, are we done? And then one guy's like, this is only $200, not even enough to pay my bookie. And it's like, okay, I don't really think that's how it works really, but okay. I think they were just acting like they just wanted more. Yeah, I know. I know. I wanted more. So I, we all did, and and yeah, and and anyway. So yeah, as as Kevin said, the bad guys are very dead set on this Chevy. So once they've done that first store robbery, they get it painted green, so no one will ever know, and they get the license plates changed to Ohio plates, and then um, you know they're they're basically good to go. And meanwhile, we have Starsky and Hotch sort of to lighten the mood. I think you know doing like hot cop humor about like not having pencils with which they can take down witness statements. Like, oh, <laughs> these guys, they do things their own way. I like also really was bothered. They both look like actors to me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They don't look like people. They look like actors. Starsky and Hutch both. You can have one cop look like an actor and then the other look like a character actor. But if you have two actor cops, I just... For me, sort of believability goes out the window. Is that is that unfair? No. So let, let's talk for a second here. You, you say that. So can just for comparison purposes, can you tell me about a, a cop show you think where the performers do look like cops? Homicide? Homicide, Life on the Street. No, no, not Homicide. What was the one we watched together? NYPD Blue? NYPD Blue. That guy looked like a cop. So you felt that was more realistic as as opposed to this. even Yeah, and they certainly didn't do a story about... Even if you're going going to have explosives planted in a car, why... Maybe... Here's maybe something I do in the script, is I wouldn't bend over backwards trying to make the people who planted the explosives in the car be sympathetic. Maybe have them be bad guys, too. Because these old folks who planted the the bomb in the car, um, besides having me, an idiotic... Re- refer to them by their name, the Geezer Liberation Front. Be respectful. <laughs> they have a cause. We are expected to find them cute and charming. Because they're old white people. They're never bad. <laughs> And so that took some of the tension out of it for me. If we're not supposed to find the act of putting explosives in the car to be evil or monstrous, I don't know. And it's one thing I like, just don't know. They, they could have. They could have. <laughs> I just don't know. They could have like written it like where like oh they were gonna take the dynamite and put the dynamite on like a statue of the mayor that would blow up, and then that was like their big political point. And that would have been like, okay. But from from what little we heard, it sounds like they were intending to blow up a parking garage. And their whole thing was, well, we'll call the, the, you know, the newspapers and the media before we do that. So then everyone will get out. But like, you don't know what's going to happen. Not everyone's going to like listen to the radio on the way into work. Maybe somebody isn't paying attention and gets hurt. You know, like it's. And, And has that ever worked? You're a history major. Has there been a time in American history where somebody has blown something up and then contacted the papers and said, I did this to get an increase in the minimum wage? And then then the city council says, hey, you know, you're right. This person who blew up the park 
has a point, let's raise the minimum wage. Has that ever happened? Listen, I'm, 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 I'm sympath. I mean, I like, I'm going to say, you know, in Irish history, they blew up a Nelson's pillar in, in Dublin. And I'm, I'm, I'm frankly not against that. Like, you know, that's col- colonization bullshit. It needs to go. But, and, and that was dangerous. So I, maybe I'm a little bit like, uh, maybe there's some political points, maybe. But in this case, it was just handled so stupidly. And like, nobody, you, you can't just, you, you, you can't just like, oh, we were going to call the newspaper. We didn't think anyone was going to get hurt. This couple realizes that if somebody rear ends their car, the whole block's going to go up. You know, it's not, they realize that this is dangerous and they're still doing it. And they're not taking a lot of precautions because they stopped to get, fucking breakfast on the way to blow up this parking garage. So that should tell you that they're not taking this super seriously. Like if you're, if they're, if you're not going to have them be, don't have them be sympathetic, but if you're even going to try to go for maybe, okay, well maybe they have somewhat of a point. You can't have them be amateurish and flippant about this. And and that, you know, if we were going to go do, I mean, nobody stops for IHOP on the way to do something like this. And you're less, you're a total sociopath. Because, I mean, I don't know. Stupid. We're, we're supposed to think they're cute. And, you know, so they're going to call a newspaper. You know, this is 1975. So what's the newspaper going to do to get the word out? Print an, an edition the next morning? Yeah. Ugh, it's stupid. Um, it's just, it's, it's stupid. And, yeah, it, it, was, it irked me that the show wanted to be like, oh, it's just uh, Ma and Pa doing their own thing. It's like, no, they're doing something horrible. They're terrorists. They're terrorists. I get on mic for that. They're terrorists. Lock them up and throw away the key. But then the geezer liberation front will take hostages. Yeah, they blow up the prison. (laughs) Or they run a car into a grocery store to make a point to let them free. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and like, I don't know, like, it feels. <laughs> it's, you know, it's if, you have, okay, if you want to do, I'm not endorsing terrorist acts. No, like, obviously. Uh, unlike you. Well, I, I wasn't <laughs> endorsing terrorist acts. Yeah, I was that's, saying, that's not what I heard. I don't think the FBI is going to uh, find. Listen, I'm just saying. Sometimes I get when you know the system's against you, and and there there seems to be only. More violent ways of doing things. I don't endorse violent terrorism that could hurt people, but I'm just I, saying I, I'm, there's ways to do something. Let me say something here. Oh. So, I, I, unlike you, I don't endorse terrorism. I don't, unlike you, I don't endorse violence. But if you're writing a story like this and you want these people to be sympathetic, maybe target the uh, the place they're going to blow up. Maybe make that have something to do with the old folks' home. Maybe the old folks' home is run by a business conglomerate that is cutting money to the old folks' home to make profits elsewhere. Yeah. So maybe go to the corporate headquarters on a Sunday afternoon when no one's there and have a little explosion there to get attention to it. I'd buy that. Yeah, that I would buy that too. And honestly, like I'm not I don't think that would work, but maybe the thinking is, oh well, if we have a little news story here, people will look into it. And then they'll say, oh, why are people mad? Oh, it's because the old folks' home sucks. And then there's a public awareness. So, like, mm-hmm. I get how somebody's thinking leads to that. But it, we, I, At least there's thinking. At least there's something. 
people are just doing things in this episode and it's like without any clear reason. Like the, the old folks are doing this and then the, the robbers are just going around doing as many crimes as possible, but they're not wearing masks or anything. They're just and showing let, up. Let me ask you this. If it's okay for the old, old white people to further their personal interests by playing reckless games with the lives of other people. Why is it not okay for the robbers to further their interests by robbing stores? You raise a pretty good, pretty good question. And you could, you could argue that a car full of dynamite would kill a lot more people than what you could do in a half empty bank. Yes. So why is the bank open on Sunday? Aren't banks usually closed on Sunday? Yeah, I, I don't even know about liquor laws. I know in Indiana, where we now live, you can't buy wine on a Sunday. At least I don't think you can. But apparently they go into the store here and we're going to buy wine. Yeah. So like making... Why even have this on a Sunday? No, and they made such a big deal of Savage Sunday. And then it was like all these things were like, is is it Sunday? Are you sure? And like, like Starsky and Hutch's captain... He seems to be, when they call him and say, you know, there's a car that's going to blow up, he's in his office just doing paperwork like it's a regular day. Couldn't you have a maniac Monday? Everyone hates Mondays. It would sort of make sense that you'd have to deal with a lot of What What about terrifying Tuesday? <laughs> Wacky Wednesday? What about weirdo Wednesday? Ooh, weird Wednesday. What Thursday? Thirsty Thursday? <laughs> no, that's already a thing, Kevin. Thoracic Thursday. What's thoracic? I don't know. Oh, I want to look up. Thorough. Thur- oh, yeah. Yeah. We're stymied here on. Th- I'm going to get this. Adjective starts TH. Thankless Thursday. <laughs> Threatening Thursday. Oh, yeah. That's the one. Frightful fr- uh, Friday. Fucked up Friday. <laughs> Sinister Saturday. See, why didn't they? Why didn't they hire us? I was around. We, you were a little, you were a little tiny boy. Don't you think I, as a four-year-old, could have written a better script? Yeah, you knew all about Watergate. You could have had that sinister influence there. I could have come up with that hot pencil banter. God, I've I've read on I've read because I was looking up. This I, pe- people seem to think. I mean, people who like the show seem to think this was a pretty weak episode, and they were kind of like, "If I watched this first, I would never watch it again." It's like, "Yep, pretty bad opening." People seem to love this show at the time, and I, and you I, wouldn't I, know why based on this. I, I I have no interest in watching another episode of this program. What do you What do you know What What did you think about the location shooting? Uh there seemed to be a lot of location shooting. That's nice in principle it's nicer if it's, it serves a, a story and has good characters kojak which is a show i think you and i need to uh cover in a future episode they did a lot of location shooting the characters were interesting the stories were interesting the writing was top notch who loves you baby i love you kevin's man crushes kojak <laughs> telly savellas <laughs> it's a great program i know i, I enjoyed the movie we watched uh we watched the pilot we need to watch a regular episode yeah the pilot was a little bit like ponderous at times but i really enjoyed kojak the character we need to watch a regular episode of kojak
So we should we should mention uh, they do call as I, as I alluded to earlier they called the chief who's just sitting there quietly at his desk, and he is what you think the chief would be like on a show like this. He's just kind of stern and irritable. He's like Perry White from the Superman show. Yeah, badges on the desk. Like he just barks that when no one else is in the room, just on instinct. Uh, and then they go to their pal Huggy Bear, who's their informant, to try to get information about where the car is. Yeah, I mean, am I just being a oversensitive white no. white guilt <laughs> white guilt liberal, no. or is that was that was that pretty? Yes. Yeah, racist. <laughs> He's like jive talking. It's not. It's not good. Did not age well. No, I don't. I don't. I don't know what what like Hollywood exec focus group bullshit put the, uh, just the old woman bomber aged much better than huggy bear yeah huggy huggy bear is the low point here and i'm not even gonna try to you know it it's not Should good we just move on? yeah let's just <laughs> i don't know how much we can unpack here but it's it's like very it's not good it's racist uh it was uncomfortable that seemed just seemed to go on and on and on but um anyways they uh they go and they uh also check in on the old folks home and the old folks immediately confess and say, "Oh, yes, we didn't call about our missing car because cover you know, it's full of dynamite and so that then that's what sets off Starsky and Hutt's <laughs> Starsky and Hutt. <laughs> Starts that that's the show. <laughs> that's the show where Starsky takes over a pizza hut. <laughs> Is Starsky and Utz when he takes over a pretzel factory? <laughs> <laughs> Starburst and Hutch <laughs> Starbucks and Hutch <laughs> Okay I'm done <laughs> Yeah um, And I also one problem was like Starsky and Hutch didn't know immediately What the issue was They didn't know that this had dynamite in it They were just you know investigating some robbers Maybe if in a, with a more competent writer, this that would have been fine. But like I, when it's like per, you know, protagonists are aware of the situation, and like know what they have to do, and like are motivated. I think that's a little more interesting to see them in that element, especially in like a pilot or like a first season episode. I don't know. And so it's like they're just finding out that there's a bomb in the car, and then they go play basketball. Yeah, this is also oh god, I cringe so hard, my face froze like that, basically. They, they, they go to these two young guys who are both black who are playing basketball and then they be, they challenge them to a basketball game if they tell them information if the kids tell them information about like you know the robbers then they'll yeah it, like if the kids win then they get hundred dollars with no questions asked and if the cops win they get information and and it's just so cringy and this basketball scene goes on for five hours and while they're playing basketball with these young Men of Color, the theme from uh, the Harlem Globetrotters theme, uh, Sweet Georgia Brown starts playing in the background. Harlem Globetrotters, of course, are uh, a famous performing basketball team uh, made up mostly of people of color. It's so cringe. It's so like it felt racist. It it is. It's but it's like it's not racist in like the in the kind of like oh we hate people of color way, but it's in, it's racist in the kind of like ugh, like trying like. Ugh, like just awkward cringe shit like this. I thought it was kind of racist in that there's these two young men yes. of color and obviously spent a lot of time playing basketball. These two white guys who 
who are middle-aged, much older than these young men of color, come and easily beat them at the game. It's also kind of racist <laughs> with the robbers. The guy who's in charge and always has the plan and is like the more like smart one is the white guy. And then the guy who's black is like his lackey, basically. And it's like, okay. Ugh. It's just a lot of cringe in this. Ugh. But, um, yeah, they... they, they isn't there isn't there like an infamous cringe basketball scene in Catwoman with Haley Berry? Never saw it. Oh, okay. She like plays basketball with some kids and like kicks their asses because she's Catwoman. <laughs> like this felt like that. <laughs> so meanwhile, and I'll, and one thing Kevin kept saying at this point, and I totally agreed. There's no urgency. You know, they're just gonna play basketball. Like, no. I mean, like if you were really trying to stop a bomb from going off in the middle of your city, I feel like you would kind of be, like, less inclined to, like, play basketball and, like, ha like, dunk on some kids. I don't know. Sort of sucks all the energy out of the whole thing. Whatever energy it even had at this point. What happens next? Well, they get the information out of the kids, and then they go beat the shit out of two middle-aged bookies in shirt sleeves. <laughs> <laughs> Just looks ridiculous. And then they uh, get, you know, they get the next tips, and then they go off to... uh uh, see Suzanne Summers. They they get a tip to lead them to one of the robbers, former ladies, who is uh, we are told basically is a dancer at a sleazy nightclub bar, a type of place that advertises on a sign outside the establishment that features girls dancing girls. Mm-hmm. And so what what to me this is kind of a uh, this is something that uh, I guess. Uh, can't be avoided in some of these 70s type shows because there's a limit to what they can show uh but we're we're at this sleazy dive with dancing girls the dancing girl is wearing an outfit that wouldn't be entirely out of place just on a street today and she's not really moving all that provocatively are you are you making some like old man comment about how women dress today these women are wearing what Suzanne Summers wore in that one episode of Starsky and Hutch. No, no, I'm saying that we're supposed. This is supposed to be a sleazy dive, and it's just like standing on a street. It's not a sleazy dive. It's a woman standing there wearing something normal, just kind of moving about normally. Uh, <laughs> it's totally respectable, Anya. And if you saw me in the background of this footage, I would hope you would not think <laughs> anything other than I wanted some curly fries. <laughs> I was around then. <laughs> You sound awfully defensive about this. I can't point. imagine if you if you went into a sleazy dive in 1975 California. I can't imagine up on the stage you'd see a woman dressed normally, moving normally, and you feel well, I've gotten my money's worth. I can't imagine. See, Kevin, Kevin just is just crying for more sex in the Starsky and Hutch pilot. He's just give it to him. <laughs> He wants topless scenes, nude scenes, everything. Well, Susan Summers agrees with me because she comes and she starts talking to Starsky and Hutch. And for some reason, she starts telling them, you know, my my ex-husband, the guy you're looking for, he doesn't even like to have sex. Well, he can perform sexually. He just isn't all that interested in it. Excuse me, I'm going to get up and do another number. (laughs) Isn't that what happened? Yeah, and then there was this extra who kind of looked like you, like saying, take off your top in the background. (laughs) It's kind of weird. Now I'm, now I'm a little suspicious. <laughs> yeah, I was four. <laughs> You're old. <laughs> um, and then also, uh, she says that uh, the Greg 
the the one of the robbers really likes rock and roll, which just felt like a really dumb. <laughs> so then, Starsky and Hutch step outside of this sleazy bar, and the people who they've been looking for are very politely waiting for them <laughs> by their car, and say, "Oh, excuse us, pigs. We understand you've been looking for us." And then they start shooting at them. Now, why would they waiting for if, if they say, "Oh, this is the cop car. This is the car of the police officers who are looking for us." I know what we should do. We should wait here and take a couple of shots at them and then throw down a garbage can and run. Is that the move? Is that what you would do in that situation? Yeah, that's what I would do. Well, in fairness, throwing down a garbage can and running is just your answer to everything. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good solution. It's a catch-all. Yeah, and like my, I really liked Starsky and Hutch reacting by like running headfirst into a bunch of boxes. That made me, that made me smile. (laughs) Which is more than I can say for most of this episode. And then they get upset. The guys run. And they say, oh, we're fine. We can just drive after them. But darn the luck, uh, the uh, bad guys took the tires off their car. And they, like, hit their car and get mad about this, like, for way too long. Like, they, like, one of them kicks the car. And the other kicks the car. And then they slam the door. And the other slams the door. And they're hitting the car. And it's like, oh, my God. Just stop. Meanwhile, the elderly couple who are responsible for all this madness, have been released on bail. They are, they are white people, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, you almost, you know, your intent was to blow up a... I mean, I don't know. You're a lawyer, right? What if if this happened in real life and they, you know, the, the, this elderly couple admitted to intending to blow something up, but they didn't get to because their car was stolen beforehand, is there a charge there? Is a shitload of charges. Yeah, I would imagine. <laughs> Got a trunk full of dynamite rolling around Los Angeles. This is based in Los Angeles, right? Or is it San Francisco? It, it, I looked it up at some point. It just said, like, California. They said the, they were going to call the Chronicle. Looks like Bay City. Where's Where's Bay City? It's where the rollers are. Oh, it's... It's the fiction. It's a fictional. It's a fictional California town. What about the rollers? And the rollers, and they say S A T U R D A Y night, but it's Sunday, so it doesn't apply to this episode. So, so that song is kind of like a prequel to this episode. They're gonna dance with their baby till the night is through, on Savage Sunday, Savage Sunday. <laughs> Love that song. I think it is about the point you said, and I agree that this this episode felt like about five or six different shows all at once. Yeah. Yeah, it felt like very much like throwing a lot of stuff at the... Instead of trying to focus on, like, us telling one story and telling it well and sort of focusing on, like, some sort of theme for the episode and having stakes for the episode that sort of ramp up over time until you hit a climax, it felt like they were trying to, like, cram in a bunch of shit all at once and... It weakened the whole product. Made me sick inside. <sighs> yeah. Uh, Starsky and Hutz end up getting to the mechanic guy who helped the uh, robbers redo their car. Now they know it's green with Ohio plates, yada, yada, yada. Starsky steals the chef, the chief's. <laughs> the yeah, chef's. So, 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 yeah, what happens? They go back to the office and the chief is eating a hamburger. He's eating like two hamburgers. And Starsky says, can I have one of those? And, and the chief says, no, 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 you can't have one of these burgers. They're my burgers. Don't you dare steal my my hamburger, Starsky. That'd make me pretty upset. And so then 
That's what you say to me every time we have burgers. And then, of course, Starsky says, oh, look over there, chief. And then uh, he grabs the chief's food and, and bounces. And then Star- and then the chief says, oh, yeah, that's Starsky. Read what I wrote because I quoted you directly. Read what you said about this. I said, this is really low rent cop humor and cop antics. And then I sighed warily. I said, it just makes me mad, this show. <laughs> <laughs> low rent cop humor and cop antics. The show. Um, yeah, and then, and then also tell us what happens next because, uh, you know, the, the kind of the, the coming conflict is them having to find the car by 5 p.m. At 5 p.m. it is time to explode. But who is the real hero of this episode? So I think it would be interesting if the heroes we've been following play a key role in the finding of the car. Yes. They're totally uninvolved in the finding of the car. Yeah, that one I feel like would just be basic storytelling, right? Basic storytelling. Yeah. Uh, so a, a guy who's a clerk in a parking garage, he says, hey, that kind of looks like the car people are looking for. I'll call it in. And he calls it in. That's how they find the car. So nothing. None of this Suzanne Summer stuff. None of this beating up bookies. None of this losing Milton. None of this contributes in Anyway, yeah, it's like it's one of those things. It's not a realistic show. It's not a realistic portrayal of what it's like to be a police officer. If this were a realistic show, perhaps a tip would be crucial, you know, from the public. And maybe even in an unrealistic show that could play a role. But the climax of like what's going to happen with the car is solved by some rando. And it's like, okay, so basically nothing we've seen in the lead up really matters i guess them realizing that it had ohio plates with uh, green paint mattered but that's nowhere near as interesting as like finding the bomb car you know so then they find in the parking garage but they can't get the trunk open so then starsky hops in the car and he drives let's not let's not downplay what happened first it basically looks like anytime you're in a fucking parking garage looking for a spot they're just driving around with a motorcycle cop looking looking for the car and it's like very slow and very boring looking but yeah then starsky gets in the car because they can't open the the trunk and yeah they're they he drives it into an abandoned lot then should we wait a second and say if they've been looking for a car with basically a bomb in the trunk all afternoon bring a crowbar yeah don't you think they would become prepared go to fucking home depot so as soon as they find it they can open up the trunk immediately yes they were in a garage earlier they were in a garage interrogating that guy they could have just taken one of his crowbars i'm assuming they have crowbars at garages right i don't even know (sighs) they do things differently in bay city yeah it's california for you things roll different there um, yeah, so Starsky drives the thing out of the place, drives it into a abandoned lot, jumps out of it, rolls away in the dirt, and then it blows up. And, like, I was sad, because I was, like, in a different, like, with a better setup, that could be cool. That could be suspenseful. You could be like, oh, is he going to blow up? What's going to happen? You know, you probably know he's not going to blow up because there's more episodes. But, you know, you could you could suspend your disbelief for a second and get invested in the show. You know, it could have been a cool moment. Twas not. Meanwhile, the bad guys are arguing in a, like, a 
next to an orange painted elevator about watching a rock show. And then Hutch just storms out and shoots into a crowd at them. <laughs> Starts shooting. Other innocent people are running, screaming. Uh, he shoots both of them. And then they arrest the, the robbers. So Starsky, wouldn't you be pissed off if you're a Hutch's ask, actor? Starsky gets this whole crazy moment where he's driving a car with a bomb in it down the interstate and then runs, you know, drives it into a, a patch of grass and then rolls out and blows up. And then you just are just shooting civilians. <laughs> It feels like Starsky's supposed to be the wild, the passionate one. He's from Brooklyn. While Hutch is one that's as cool as a cucumber. He's from Minnesota. He's more of a Midwestern type. Yeah. Starsky's more like us because we just moved from Brooklyn. We're doing shit like that all day. (laughs) (laughs) So then we have what I think is like the... If the opening credits were the high point in terms of being silly but fun... This is the high point. This is another high point because it feels like so bad. It's almost surreally funny. Like, it's almost like I can't believe what I'm seeing right now. Because, I mean, it was a very unrealistic show. This was an unrealistic episode. A lot of the things that happened were kind of stupid. And I say unrealistic. It's okay to be fanciful and, like, kind of tell a crazy story that maybe wouldn't really happen in real life. That's okay as long as it's a well-told story. But I'm, I'm just speaking... From the perspective of like uh, fancifulness to realism on the cop show spectrum, this really leaned hard into the fancifulness because like a lot of this stuff is just stupid. But this leaned like just into like this would never even happen in life. So what happens next? What's the uh, denouement? Denouement? Denouement. Denouement. There you go. French. What's the denouement to this ridiculous Savage Sunday show? Well, we haven't forgotten about the old people who set off this whole tragedy in motion. And, you know, we need to make sure they get what's coming to them, which means they get what they want. Because <laughs> obviously what they their whole strategy should be shown to have worked. Because I want old people across the country to watch this and think about, you know, whatever petty grievances I have, here's the way to solve them. Because it worked for these people. So Starsky and Hutch and inexplicably Huggy Bear... <laughs> Decide that the thing to do is to invite a city councilman to the old folks' home to eat the food there to see how bad it is. So they do. And he says, oh, gosh, this food's bad. Maybe we should make a change. And that's basically it, isn't it? Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, it's that bad. And, and, like, also, what, like, local random cops have enough pull? And also a guy who's, like, basically a, a confidential informant because he has criminal connections have enough pull to just, hey, city councilman, come with us. We want to show you something. And while we're at it, let's we want to compromise our confidential informant by having him tag along with you to this old folks' home where two people there are terrorists. Makes a lot of sense. Before I, before I give my final take, Kevin, what did... Did Freiberger bring a similar bad energy to this show that he did to Star Trek season three? And I know you're going to say this is bad and that they're both bad, but is this the same kind of bad that you noticed in season three of Star Trek? Uh, I would argue in some ways, no, because in season three of Star Trek, it felt like there wasn't really a lot of budget put into production and filming. And I I think strictly from a production viewpoint, this is pretty good. I, I liked all the location suits. I actually liked the car explosion. I thought that was kind of cool. So that, that stuff was good. Uh, I think the scripting was bad in a similar way. 
I think those the third season Star Trek's veered more towards stupid formula and just plot turns for the sake of plot turns as opposed to uh, sense or logic. And I felt that third season of Star Trek didn't really make any of the characters seem interesting. And so in, in those terms, I think there's a certain similarity. I agree. Hard agree. So is it time to... Yeah, get in this Is thing. it time to jump out of the car before it explodes? I think that's too late for that. <laughs> Just get us out of here. We'll go patch up our wounds and try to move on. I'd say that when it comes to old-timey cop shows, this episode of Starsky and Hutch isn't the Sunday best. Thanks for listening this week. I'd like to give a special thanks to Kevin T. Greenley, who's no relation to me. He's the guy that composed the great music for this podcast, and you can find him on the web at kevintg.com. You can follow us on Twitter at mystery to me. That's mystery underscore two underscore me underscore. And at mystery to me podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And you can always send us recommendations and feedback of any kind at mystery to me podcast at gmail.com. We're not teens setting up Hotmail accounts in the early 2000s, so all of those spell out two as T-O. Thanks Thanks so so much much for listening. listening.